0: Are you glad to be in church tonight? And then uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in Bibles to the, Bible, the book of John, John chapter 4. I'm thankful that God speaks to us in many different ways. I'll tell you a little secret behind the sermon prep if you want to hear it. If you don't, you're going to listen anyway, right? was planning and preparing, Uh, I'm a firm believer that God works in the planning and preparation as well, it's spontaneous and the spur of the moment, which you did this morning as well. Uh, But as I was preparing this series of messages, this this message I actually had planned to preach tonight anyway, which is kind of odd that I would plan a series to preach one of the series messages on Sunday evening. That's just the way it was going to, I, I felt the Lord was leading me to do it, but then I switched it, and I guess got out of the plan. so uh, this was supposed to be a message for tonight, evidently, and uh, we're thankful that we're here tonight, so if you do have your bulletins from this morning, I want to encourage you to get those out, and uh, we'll get those blanks filled in or filled tonight, and we're going to jump right in. Last week, last Sunday morning, we talked about, we started this series about shared relationships. And we talked about one simple concept of when we walk with the Lord for so long, it becomes a personal walk with the Lord. It is Jesus and me. And at some point in our life and in our journey with the Lord, we need to change that. It needs to be Jesus and me. And our, our personal walk with the Lord becomes contagious, and we, we begin to share the relationship with, with one another. And so tonight, I want to continue that that thought as we share relationship, because I believe that we need to go beyond just being faithful, good-thinking followers of Christ, but tonight I want us to see something from, from God's Word that we need to share relationship, but we need to, to be spiritual contributors in shared relationship. So we're going to look at this text in, in John chapter 4, just a few verses to kind of kickstart us tonight. Uh, John chapter 4, I want to begin reading with verse number 31. But before I read this, I want you to know a little backstory about what's going on here. Okay? Jesus has just come to, to, um, to this town. He's tired, he's weary, he sends the disciples into the town to get food and water, and he's standing there, sitting out at the edge of town where the well is. And this well is a very famous well. As you may have known, as you look back through chapter 4 of John, you see what Jesus has just come through in this in text. He's just encountered the woman in the well. He's just spent time talking to her as she comes out in the middle of the day, which was an odd time for her to come out. And he starts to talk to her. He, he connects with her in a, in a conversation, which surprises her because he shouldn't be talking to her from a societal standpoint. Yet, he he engages her. He he begins to have a conversation with her. And I, and I believe it's it's not uh, coincidental that the first place she goes is she wants to debate and, and talk about worship. And I told Pastor Greg this morning, I said, isn't it amazing that the way the enemy tries to divide us is through something that God created for us to worship and praise him. And How can we expect to be exempt from that if Jesus had to debate worship wars? You'll get that. Uh, If Jesus had to deal with it, then I guess we need to deal with it as well. He he, he talks about this worship and she says to him, well, you know, Jews worship here and Gentiles worship there. What is really right? He's like, that's really not the point. Will you give me a drink of water? And she... She gives him a drink of water and he says, well, I can give you water that will last forever. and It's the living water. And she starts to wonder who he is. And then all of a sudden, he tells her everything she's ever done. And she realizes this guy is the Messiah. This is the living guy. And so he's just had this, this long exchange with the woman at the well. They're tired from their journeys, they're they're weary, He sent the disciples in to get food, and this is what we pick it up in verse 31.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, as the disciples
0: have returned, meanwhile the disciples were urging urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something, they know that he's been famished, they know that they've been traveling. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. So then the disciples are wondering, he says, did somebody bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other, did somebody come to try to slip him a meal or a, or a cookie or something while we were in town? What, what really happened here? What is he talking about? And then Jesus explained to him, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Who sent me and from finishing his work. In this moment, the disciples were all about consuming. They were all about what they could get. Jesus sends them into town to get something. They needed to get food. They needed to get water. They were, they were tired. They were weary. They were all about getting what they needed and what they wanted in that moment. They were about consuming. And when they come back to Jesus, they said, Grandpa, you need to eat something. You need to consume something. You need to take something in you. And Jesus says to them, you don't understand, I have a food that you know nothing about. You see, they were about consuming, and Jesus was all about contributing. What he needed to do. You see, some people in our society today, they might say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm not a consumer-driven person, I don't about that. I'm just, I'm not all caught up in in being a consumer. I'm a good person. And I understand what people are saying when they say that, but I want to tell you today, that's just not true. (laughs) In our very nature, we are not good people. Let me give you an example. I've got a little girl at home. She's almost two years old. I do not have to sit down with this little girl and teach her how to be selfish. If you've had a two-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go over and sit her down and say, you know what, now we're going to we're gonna learn something today. I'm going to give you a brand new shiny toy, and then I'm going to take it away from you. And when I do that, you're going to stand up, and you're going to scream at me, my! You can't have it! Gimme, give gimme, give gimme! Give you're going to throw a fit, you're going to make a huge fuss, and then we're going to talk about why you shouldn't do that. We don't have to teach a two-year-old that. Why? Because it's in our nature. It's in our nature. We are a selfish people. We have the desire to get as much as we can. So much so that it has influenced so many different things in society. If you are, um, if you are my age or a little bit older, you probably remember yourself We we have a place, and if I start to say these words, I want you to finish them if you know. Okay, you would hear you would hear this this jingle from time to time. It used to go like this: You can get two all beef patties,
1: special sauce,
0: lettuce juice. Can can you sing it for us, Sally? Can you sing it for us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, What is she what is she getting? Where is she at? Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. And so when this jingle came out, you knew when you went into this establishment and you okay. ordered a Big Mac, what you were getting? You were getting two all these patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, all sesame seed
1: That's what you were getting. You went in there, you ordered a Big Mac, you knew what
0: you were going to have. You knew what you were going to consume. And then another restaurant came around that had a different slogan that changed the way we do fast food forever. This was their sequel. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. Before if you walked into this establishment and order a cheeseburger, you're probably gonna get something with four pickles and two tomatoes and some cheese and some ketchup and some mayonnaise. And they would call it a cheeseburger. Now, because of their catchy saying, you can go into any fast food restaurant you want and get it just the way you want it. And in fact, it's even changed to McDonald's. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I worked there a few weeks ago. And I worked on the line, and I just had to do the buns. But when somebody ordered a double cheeseburger, you can order it with the special sauce. I thought, that's not right. It's not a Big Mac. How can you get special sauce? You didn't order a Big Mac. You should have get special sauce. I didn't know that, did you? Yeah. So you just get whatever you want now. You know, you go into a restaurant and it, it used to drive me nuts. My dad was the same way, so I get it from him. I'm going to blame him, and so he listening to this. He, he's getting blamed for this. We would go through the drive through at Wendy's. You better not have a special order. You're getting what you get because we don't want any bad things to happen to us while we're in the drive through. And, and I'm the same way. We go through the drive through at McDonald's, and my kids are like, well, they, I, I cringe to ask them what they want. Because I'm, I'm afraid of well, what the order is going to come back to. I'm like, special orders. That was a bad thing when I was in high school. You didn't order anything special or fast food, that's not. But the reality of it is is we want things our way. We want, we want to be fed, we want our needs met. We want our wants to have exactly what we want. Businesses started to realize this and they wanted to please the customer in so many different ways And so many different ways. It began to be a job for them to draw attention to what they were offering us. A comedian wrote this about a consumerism thought and idea, and I I thought it was good, so I wrote it down. Listen carefully. The company will advertise it this way. We're going to offer you quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantees. Free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. No cash, no problem, no kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no entry fee, no hidden charges, no purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments or interest till January, and don't forget we're going to give you a free gift on top of it. A classic. Deluxe, custom designer, luxury, prestigious, high-quality, premium, one-of-a-kind pencil holder. All yours for the asking. No purchase necessary. Our way of saying thank you because you care and you matter so much to us. Wow. That's something else. You want that pencil holder now, don't you? (laughs) The sad reality today is that this mindset is infiltrating the church. I can't tell you how many times in my life, in my short time in ministry, that I've heard sayings like this. You know, Pastor, we're just going to go church shop for a while. Church shop. <laughs> or, we cannot seem to find a church that meets our needs. I'm, I'm thankful that God's put me in ministry and I've been in ministry my whole life because I've never had to say that. I've never had to say I'm going to go to a church shop. Part of that is because my dad was always at a church so I didn't have a choice. I went to whatever church we were at. The one time that I even said those words is when we moved to Kansas City and we had no church home and we said, you know what, we're going to try a few places and see. We said this, we're going to see what they have to offer. We went to One. It became our church home. We loved it. God had a special place for us. But we we have become so ingrained that we need it our way that even the church becomes a place where we want our needs to be met. This is a sad place for us in the, in the church world because we think the church was created for us. We've got to realize that and my hope today is that we can begin to live by what God intended the church You see, we're not spiritual consumers. We were created. We are spiritual contributors. Why are we spiritual contributors? Because the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. I want to just say this. I want to pause for a minute and say this, because this weighs heavy on my heart when I think about this topic. And, and I, sometimes I get in trouble when I apologize for the pulpit, but I, I have a confession and I want to apologize. If, if people sometimes say, if you don't know what you're apologizing for, you can't really say you're sorry. But in this case, hopefully I'll just be
1: doing it. As your pastor, one of the things
0: that that just breaks my heart is when I find out or I realize that I've hurt somebody, or I've done something that has caused them to stumble in in whatever fashion. And, And I do not like to hurt anybody for any reason. I do not want to intentionally hurt anybody. But I will tell you this, when people view the church the way that I've just talked about, that it's something for us to consume, they're going to be hurt by people in the church. And so I do want to say from the bottom of my heart, if I as your pastor have ever hurt you, please know it was unintentional. And if, if I have hurt you seriously, I want you to come talk to me because that's something we just need to deal with person to person, okay? But I want you to know this, as a church operates, as we operate, we are operating for those of us that are not even here, we realize that, don't we? Yes. Now, we take care of our own, and the Bible says to love one another, and that is very important, and we need to do that, but the church does not exist to meet every one of your needs. The church does not exist so that you get to pick everything that you want in a church service. It's not how it works. The church exists so that we can be Jesus to the world. We've got to stop being spiritual consumers, and we've got to start being spiritual contributors. So there's a scale in your outline again. You're going to see this. This is a common theme for this series. And I want us to reflect on this scale this morning or this evening. Now I want you to be honest. On one end, you have the consumer end from scale one to ten. Ten is contributor, one is consumer. Now be careful before you circle anything. Do not circle ten unless you're Jesus. Okay? Now I have seen three spouses look at their spouse and nudge them, okay? You're not Jesus, so don't circle ten. Okay? Let me help us understand this for a minute. If you came to church today and dropped your kids off with somebody in the nursery or the children's department, so they could serve you and your family. If you happened to be in a class this morning and had a cup of coffee that you drank that you did not make for, or if you're sitting in a pew that does not have your name on it, and you didn't pay for that, and you've come into a place that's been climate controlled, and unfortunately today it was keeping us out of this beautiful weather outside. But maybe you didn't have any part in building this building or paying for it. You don't give anything, you don't serve anywhere. You enjoy everything, but you don't give anything. That I want you to circle it to you. And I'm being generous. Maybe you give occasionally. Maybe you give when you feel like it. Maybe, maybe you haven't really tested God in, in, the, in the tithes and the offerings, and you haven't really taken that next step. Or maybe it's a special occasion, occasion, so you give a little bit more. You might come to service twice a month, and you call yourself a regular attender. You feel compelled to help with a project or ministry, but not on a regular basis. You do it once you maybe you're a four or five. But maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor that's just not me. Shh. You're here every chance you can. You teach one or more classes, maybe you go to another one. <coughs> maybe you're a faithful tither and giver to the local church for many, many years and you would do anything the Lord wants you to do. Then maybe you are an eight or nine. I want you to own that. It's okay to circle that. Circle an eight or a nine if that's you. Claim it. <laughs> that's good. But you're not a ten. Ten is for Jesus. We all have something to work with. So if you're looking at your scale tonight and you see where you've circled something, maybe you've crossed it out and reevaluated through some of these scenarios. If you are a six or lower on this scale, then I've got good news for you. The rest of this message is for you. If you're above a six, I want you to pray with us for a moment, pray for the rest of us. Because we need your prayers and we need your support to. And maybe you can pray for yourself that God would help to show you something you new from this remaining time together. I want to share with you two basic principles to teach us about our gifts for God's church and how to be spiritual contributors. The first one is this God calls you to share. In his church. I want you to share in his church? Sometimes we think we understand what it means to be in the church where we serve and use our gifts. We understand this concept because many of us we come into this church, we come into this place, this building, and we use our gifts inside of the church. We use it for ministry in the church, and we think we understand this.
1: And many times we, we do understand it because
0: this is where we come to share our gifts. But I think sometimes we forget what God's understanding of the church is. You see, God never meant for the church to be a building. The church is people. So I wonder sometimes, how do we unlearn this concept? How do we, we twist it all up? Well, I did some research, and here's what I found. This is where it's it interesting. How do we unlearn that the church is people and not a building? Because it used to be when the church was first established that they began in, in the book of Acts, they would, they would gather together in homes, and yes, there was a building, but they knew they were gathering for one another. They knew they were gathering for people, and that was the church, it was people. But it wasn't until 313 A.D., Emperor Constantine made Christianity a legal religion. So before the fourth century of the history of the world, it was not even legal for a group of people to own a property together. So this kind of facility wouldn't even be possible before 313 AD. So we got clear to the fourth century of the history of our entire world before somebody made it legal for the established church to have an established place to be. Now you might be saying, well, there was tabernacles and temples in the Old Testament and all that stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't that wasn't illegal at the time. Then laws changed and everything, then the Western world came to what we know, and now we unlearn this fact that the church is people because we then think we need a building, we need a place to congregate, we need a place to go. And technically, we don't go to church. We are the church. Technically, we don't go to church, we are the church. And I understand what it means when we say we're going to go to church. And, and I get why we say that because it's a place where people gather. And I understand that, but that's not the way God intended the church to be. The church is not a building. The church is people. Romans 12:6 to 8 says this: "In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well." letter to the church in Rome, Paul is listing seven different gifts in the scripture. Let me recap for you. Serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, leading, kindness, and prophecy. Seven different gifts that God has given us as Christians. Now, I want you to know something. You, as a follower of Christ, have been given one of these gifts. It's something that happens when we accept Jesus Christ through our life. We start to become more like him. He gives us good gifts, the Bible says. And one of those gifts is one of these gifts. You might be saying, well, I don't even know what, what gift I have. Well, that's a good place to be because that means we have some work to do. Amen? So I want to illustrate this for you so you might not know what your gift is. One of the things that... that that we're going to continue to do as we expand our membership class and take more people into the churches, the next step of that is, is getting to know what your spiritual gifts are, so that you can then begin to share those in the church. And we'll get to the next point in a minute. But I want to share an illustration with you for tonight. If you've never taken a spiritual gift test and you don't know what spiritual gift test you have, here's, here's, here's how we can kind of engage it. Let's let's think that, that we have, you guys did a good job imagining this one. So imagine that I'm sitting here and I've got a table here and I've got a piece of apple pie. Ooh, now you're all hungry, right? And I've got that apple pie a little bit too close to the edge of the table. And when I go to take a bite of that apple pie and I cut that first piece off, the plate falls and the apple pie spills into my mouth. I'm Shaking right So here's how you can tell kind of what your gift is, OK? Five seconds. <laughs> if, if, you, if you see this happen to me, I gotta make sure I get the right one correct, okay? <laughs> if you see this happen to me, it falls in, in into my lap, and then you rush over and you pick it up and you clean it up, and then you're like, oh let me, let me get you another piece of pie. in fact, let me give everybody a piece of pie because I don't want anybody to feel about that. You probably have a to, to the kidney. Because you want to take care of it and give to others. Now if you see that same scenario, and, 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 and it, it, I take it and it spills on me, and, and you get up and you see it happen, and you, you come up and you start delegating right away. Hey, you you grab a napkin, let's clean this up, the, the milk spills you, why don't you do this? And you go to the counter and get another one, and I'm going to stand here to make sure everything gets done right. You probably have a gift of leadership. If you have this gift, and it's one that I struggle with, you see it fall in somebody's lap, and you get up, and you make sure that everything's coming down. You make sure they're okay. You don't want them to be hurt. They hope they didn't poke themselves to the floor. The plate didn't break up the lap, and you're just so consumed with the person that made the spill. You probably have a gift of kindness. Because you want them to be okay. You want them to be kind. You're kind to me. Now if you jump up and make sure that my face isn't plush red and people aren't pointing fingers they can find me, and making fun of me. And you just come up to me and you say, you know what, it's okay. It's just a piece of pie. It's nothing to be embarrassed over. We all do it. It's, it's okay. You probably have a gift of encouragement. <laughs> this one I love this one. If your first thought is well. That could have been avoided if you would have pushed your plane a little bit forward, you would have worked this way, you would have observed really things a little bit differently, then you would have not, not have spilled this onto yourself. And, and let's, what can we learn to not do this again? You probably have the gift of teaching. Yeah, I said, I promise. I promise you saved prophecy, The different prophecy. How can you tell this is the different prophecy? You look over at me sitting there with that plate so close to my edge of my table, and you're thinking that guy does not know what he's doing. you have a different name for it. He's gonna something's not gonna go well here because he won't do anything different. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over. It's gonna fall on It's just gonna happen. I know it is because he won't change the way he's approaching this. You probably haven't been to prophecy. You can kind of tell what's going to happen based on the circumstances around you. see, every one of us has one of these gifts. We are slanted towards one of these areas. If if you don't know what your gift is, then I want you to come talk to me. And and we'll help you discover that. We'll help you to, to dig deeper into that, to see what God has gifted you to do. Because once you know what your gifts are, then you can share those gifts in the church. You can help others. And you can share in the church. The second thing we do with our gifts from God is God calls you to share as his church. As his church. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, we read this. You are the light of the world. Town cannot be hidden. Many you know, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl? Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And there's a couple of key words that we need to focus on here, because if we don't, we're going to see this in a little different slant than what I believe God's intended for us to see. The first one is this. When we are in a relationship to share with others, we need to be sharing our gifts as the church, people to people. And when we do that, they're going to see our good deeds. So let me give you an example: when we connect and engage with people outside of our church, and you might you might be thinking, Pastor, you just keep, you know harping on this whole connecting and thing. Yeah, it kind of matters because the world. The people out there need the church to be the church so that they know what they're missing out on. They need us to connect and engage with them so that they can they can see that we're doing good deeds for them because why? It's not so that we get something out of it, it's so that they can see that we're doing something good. They can wonder why we tell them, you know what, I love Jesus. I have this family that, that we meet every week and we're we're so we're so loving for one another and for each other. We come and we share our gifts. In the church, but we also want to share our gifts with you. And we 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 share those gifts and we do things for other people without expecting anything in return. And what we're doing is we're sharing as the church because we're people that are sharing good deeds with other people. Amen. The church is not a building, it is people. So they see our good deeds. You have to realize something. Sometimes we get this mixed up. Because by doing good deeds, we don't do good deeds so that we can be a Christian. We're not saved by our good deeds. We are saved for our good deeds. We are saved for good deeds. That means doing good things and being a good person will not get you to heaven. But when you accept Jesus Christ into your life and you start living for him and you start doing what we say, and we allow God to take us deeper into the next step then we're going to do good deeds as a result of that. You see what, what we're going here with? So when we share our gifts with others and we share it the church they will see our good deeds and yes sometimes you're going to get accolades for that but that's not why we do it. Why do we do it? Well we do it so that they will see our good deeds and give glory to whom? The Father in heaven. The Father in heaven. That's, that's why it was so hard for me for a longest time when I would when I would preach and, and I would be out there and talking to all of you after I preached and Pastor, great message, great sermon. I didn't know how to take that. God had to help me to be able to receive encouragement and to receive um, positive feedback. Because I just was like, no, it's it's him, it's all for him. Give him the glory. But God, it's not, we don't do good deeds for ourselves. Do you understand that? We're sharing as a church so that God gets the glory. That they may see our good deeds. We're not saved by our good deeds, we are saved for good deeds. Something has to happen before. The other one does, and we must be saved so that people can see our fruit from our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's where the shared relationship comes in. You have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and it changes you, transforms you, and you begin to do good deeds and share as the church, and you begin to do those things. And then guess what? Your relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be shared. It's going to be contagious, like we talked about last week. People are going to want what you have. Why is that? (laughs) For another phrase in this text. It says, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. That means that the world outside the church will see your good deeds because of what God has done for you in your life. And he will be glorified. So, what does that mean? Does that mean that we just need to stay and when we protect ourselves and get into our holy huddles and stay stay where we're comfortable so so that we can just make sure we grow, grow a church and grow closer together? Is that what this is saying? No. Because if we do that, it's like shining the light on what God's done in our life and then put a bowl in it, so nobody can see. You see, the church was not created for us. We were created to be the church for the world. And this text says, was a life of the world. What the world is our place. But when Jesus, the light of the world, comes into our life, it changes our perspective. It changes who we are. And so if, we, if we're just going to stay in one of these components and we're going to stay in the church, then the world never will see our good beliefs. They'll never see the light of the world. We've got to share our good deeds. We've got to be the light of the world. In other words, what does that mean? That means we can't be spiritual consumers. We've got to be spiritual contributors. We've got to do our part. We've got to do our part so that people can come with us. Amen? Amen. I'm a little different in my thinking, and I'm thankful for that. In some ways, we live in a day and age where a lot of people, especially this time of year, the election stuff is rolling out. and People are debating and talking about everything that they can promise you. All that the government's going to do. I believe that the government is not the best organization to meet the needs of the world. The reason the government believes it must meet the needs of the world today, though, is because the church is calling the God too busy sharing our gifts in the church, that the needs of the world are not going to be met. So what I'm saying tonight is that I believe, (laughs) I believe that we can be a church where people share more than they have been given. I believe we can be a church that will, will love more than we've been loved. I believe we can be a church where people will give more than they've received. And I believe that we can be a church that is more passionate about reaching the next generation than we've ever been before. I believe that if we can grasp this idea that God has gifted each and every one of us to share in the church, but also to share as the church, the world would be a different place because we are sharing relationship as spiritual communities. I can see a time and a place where PCN is being a people, being a church, that doesn't judge those without Christ, but we love them in the family of God. I can see a day when PCN becomes a people, becomes a church where everyone is using their gifts in the church to equip the body of Christ. I want to share something with you that happened in our in our church pastor review. Our new district superintendent, Pastor Terry, he came in and he asked us to go around the room and he said, "Things are going well, but I want you to dream big. I want you to think of big things that you want to accomplish for the Lord in the next few in the next few years." And we started listing things and he started writing them down and. And I snapped a picture of it. It's in my office and it's something that we're going to work on and work through because it gives us some things to work through. But these are, these are not things that came from me. I want you to know that. It's things that came from the board as we talked about our church, as we talked about what God's doing in PCN. And one of the visions that was on the board was this. There'd be so many church people Wanting to help, that we have to say no. Let me say that again. There would be so many church people wanting to help that we have to say no. You know what that is? That's shared relationship. That's all of us using the gifts God has given us to share in the church. And as the church, if every single one of us was using our gifts the way God intended them to be, then we as a church leadership would either have to say, go figure this out on your own, or we just don't have space for you to help that in that way. Wouldn't that be a good problem to have? Wouldn't you like to have to turn people away in children's ministry? Youth ministry? Sunday school? the good news is we never turn anybody into those. But if we're really sharing in a relationship with one another, then we're going to be using these gifts that God's given us instead of putting a bowl around us. Amen? God didn't intend the church to be a building. People are a church. God intended the churches to be people that that love and share Christ with the world. As we close tonight, I want want you to think about your own life for a moment. And as you uh, think about your scale that we did earlier tonight, and where you're at on the scale. Do you worry more about your needs being met here, or how you can share a relationship with others? <laughs> so, as as those slogans say, as Burger King had it, hold the lettuce, hold the pickle, hold whatever it is. Special orders will upset you having right now in your own life, and maybe even in your church life, that you're having it your way? Instead of having it in your way, you're just your instead of coming to church thinking, I need this need to be met, I need, I need this to happen, I'm just not going to be happy with this in church. What are you having in your life where you're having it your way so much that you're losing sight of the needs of what you're or are you having no way that you need to give up in order to give more in your seat. My next question is this. It's very practical. I think we all have one of those things in our life and in our approach to church. I know I have. Sometimes I wonder uh, why God has called me to the churches he's called me to. At the times, he's called me there. And, and, and I... Can I be real with you guys tonight? No. No? All right, like, fake. Um Only fake. There's times in my head, in my flesh that if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably go to some church that's five ten thousand people. You're like, Pastor, you told us that you're not a group people person. Yeah, I know that there I can just probably go and to kind of hide it. But that's not what God's calling me to. If I I had it my way, I'd probably want everything to run so perfectly that everybody could worship with so so much freedom that there would never be a concern about song selection or or volume or or lights or or anything. It would all just be perfect. If I had it my way, we'd come into church and there would never be an issue. There would never have to be a side board meeting. If I had it my way, we wouldn't have to worry about some of these things that that I, I get in a staff meeting and I say, Are you serious? Do we really have to deal with this in the church? If I had it my way, we'd be using our gifts to share relationships with them. What is it that you want done your way? that God would be asking me to give up. And then the practical point of this is, what can you do this very week to maybe change your approach? What can you do this week to help share your gifts with those around you? Maybe you're somebody that sitting there and you like, Pastor, I'm an 8 or a 9. I'm above the 6 threshold. I want to say thank you to those of you that are is so special. Thank you for thank what you do. Thank you for your tireless work in the church to share your gifts. Many of you do thankless jobs, and I want to tell you right now, thank you you do. But I want to challenge you and encourage you as well. What can you do this week to go and share your gifts as the church to somebody that's not? What can you do this week to show somebody else that you the world? Would you stand with me tonight? Father God, we just want to say thank you for your word. The truth of your word really, is is so clear at times, and, and then other times, Lord, we wonder if we really understand it. Tonight, God, I pray that you would help us to take the truth of your word, to recognize what you've done in our life, to go share relationship with other people. God, I pray that we wouldn't just invite people to come to church next week, but Lord, I pray as we leave this place tonight that we become the church as we go. And Lord, I pray that you can help us to love others the way that you love, To talk to others the way that you would talk to them. To share with others the way you would share with them. That they may see our good deeds and give you glory, honor. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for gifting us. And God, I pray and I thank you for what you're going to do as we go out. And share as the church tonight. Help each and every one of us, Lord, eh? to walk every step in obedience to you. And God will look back on this day as a as a moment in our history where we can say, God opened our eyes to be able to share a relationship as the church. And we will give you praise and thanks in in Jesus, in all of God's people said, Have a great week. I'll see you next week. i you. to end this? you guys just going to